Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello. Dave. Morning. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start with good things, so Craig, be good. Well, uh, the guys who are friends with me on Steam and Discord, uh, I don't think it'll be a surprise to you. My good thing this week, I've been playing a lot of Bloodstained. Bloodstained's back, guys. I think I I probably mentioned it last year because that's when I first came out. But for those of you who don't know, the one of the original designers of Castlevania uh, was like, Konami is not updating Castlevania. They're busy making pachinko machines or whatever the heck they do. So forget those guys. I'm going to do a, a Kickstarter to make my own Castlevania type Metroidvania game. It is Bloodstained and it's pretty good. Um, so specifically, my good thing is Bloodstained, the game itself. They just released the randomizer, which was promised as part of the Kickstarter. They were they wanted to do a whole like roguelike thing, but unfortunately that proved harder than they expected. So they're like, hey, let's just do a randomizer. But it's sort of bare bones. And uh, I don't know those of you listeners. Uh, I'm a link to the past randomizer runner. Uh, Dave and I also play Super Metroid, Super Metroid, uh, Zelda. Cl- they clash together. There's a Super Metroid Zelda randomizer. That's also another good thing. Um, so we play a lot of that and they've done great work with those randomizers. So you go over to Bloodstain and you're like, what the heck? Where's all the features? Where's all the stuff? Um, so it needs a lot of work, but Bloodstained itself is pretty fun. If you like those kind of like Castlevania Symphony of Night style games, then this is right up your alley. If you've never played it before, then definitely give it a try. It's sort of like a it's it's a tribute to those types of games. So uh, I think it it's, they did a great job. All right. Uh, Dave, what's your good thing this week? Uh, my good thing this week is I've been watching an old television show. It was popular back in the 90s. Perhaps you've heard of it. It's called Seinfeld. Starring Jerry Seinfeld and written by Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David. And Seinfeld, I've never heard of this. <laughs> yeah, Seinfeld, I mean, yeah, that's that's not striking any chords with me at all. Who did you say was in it? Jerry Seinfeld, Jason Alexander. He's that guy from that B movie. <laughs> that's it. That's where I've heard that name before. Julia okay, uh and Michael Richards are the main characters. Jerry Stiller was in it. Uh, Newman was in it. Timothy Mudson was in one episode. Yeah, Will, uh, Liam Knight, I think's his name. He hasn't actually shown up yet in uh, in my rewatch so far. But yeah, uh, like it or not, it pretty much changed the face of television from the 90s onward. So you got to live with that fact if you don't like it. And if you don't like it, why not? It's hilarious. It's kind of like my sister's been watching Friends lately, and that just made me want to watch Seinfeld instead of watch Friends. Mm. Okay. So the thing with Seinfeld and why it may not work for a more modern audience is every single joke in that show uh, was reused by every other sitcom since then. (laughs) (laughs) That's part of the problem. Uh, one of the things I love about watching Seinfeld nowadays is that you have 
not not the entire show, but many jokes in the show and the stand-up bits are kind of centered around technology from 30 years ago that might not make any sense to us. They're like, oh, like answering I machines, answering machines, or like the lack of mobile phones. Like, oh, I couldn't get a hold of him. He went out, or like. I don't like talking to people, so I like let the machine pick up. And I'm like, well, yeah, we have text messages for that now. <laughs> uh, and also, like, there was an episode where Jerry was like messing with his antenna to get like a clear picture on his TV, and I'm like, oh man, that takes me back. <laughs> so, yeah, None of just... those things exist anymore. <laughs> True, but yeah, so it's really funny. Um, but like Mike said, it might seem like they're copying modern shows somehow <laughs> well it's just that you've heard all the jokes repeated to death already and and so like there's no fresh comedy in here because everyone else used it since then at the time it was fresh yeah and i noticed that a lot of shows seem to be like oh well seinfeld did this and it was funny so let's do that but they don't really they don't really get to the the seed of why a thing was funny they just kind of look at the leaves and just take the leaves and assume that the leaves will still be funny. Right. So, th so the jokes are retold in worse ways, <laughs> even. But yeah, I guess uh, if you grew up in the nineties and it's been a while, I, I recommend a rewatch. I'm, I'm finding myself cracking up at it still today. I don't know. I feel like curb your enthusiasm did, did that end of the humor better than Seinfeld did. Yeah. Curb's really good. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, George Costanza is just uh, Larry David, so <laughs> you're just getting it's yeah. basically the George show if you, if you watch. Okay, so here's my question about Seinfeld as someone who didn't regularly watch Seinfeld when it came out, I just saw like an episode here and there. Would it still be fun for someone who was seeing it for the first time? Yeah, I think you would still enjoy it. it I think that you. You get more of the inside jokes if you watch it straight through, but it's still even worth just picking up an episode and watching it because a lot of the humor is in the characters in Seinfeld as well. So it's like the situations plus the characters, you just drop them in there and hilarity ensues. I think, yeah, I think even if you don't have any kind of nostalgia for Seinfeld, it's still worth watching. All right. Uh, so my good thing this week is um, a friend of my wife and I, uh, makes dice like that's that's basically her job now is is she makes custom dice for people um i actually posted in good things uh her twitter profile which is dice a y d i c e a w a i i um and the specific post where she showed both the work in progress and the finalized versions of the dice that my wife got um they are they are super cool they look all galaxy spacey um, yeah, they're just, they're, they're super neat dice, and I want to give my, my friend's dice making business a shout out. I so, do like the, so the galaxy swirly type stuff. Those are some pretty cool things. Yeah, the picture looks pretty good. Uh, if you, if you click on the link, the, the, like, next attached tweet is the finalized, and it's, like, silver lettering on the, on the numbers, and it looks even better. They do look really sweet. They they look kind of sharp, actually. Like if you, when you buy them at the store, the corners and edges are, seem like they're a little more rounded off. But uh, I'm also just curious: can you really call them dice if they're not cubes? Yes, technically they're polyhedra. But there's also a six-sided. So uh, <laughs> I just according, mean, 
According to Wikipedia, dice are small throwable objects with marked sides that can rest in multiple positions. I think originally, well, I wonder what came first, the term dice referring to throwing objects or dice referring to, to cut something into cubes? The throwing objects, the, the gaming objects, the, the cooking, the, the, the cutting methodology uh, was named after that because for a long time, the only dice were, were six-siders. Uh, specifically, knuckle bones were used for that. Then why did they call them dice? Well, they why used do we to call anything anything? The bones. Like, just... words are arbitrary. It, it, someone called them dice once and it stuck. I think the word dice derives from digit, which would be referring to the knuckle bones. But I don't know that for sure. That's a that's a unconfirmed fact. Sounds plausible enough. I'll take it. Like Wait. it was on Tumblr. I I don't I I don't have a source for that. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Knuckle bones is just jacks. Look at that. That's neat. So Tori, what's your good thing? Uh, this week I'm gonna go with uh, Junji Ito, the uh, horror. Uh, manga artist from Japan who uh, has some really horrible stuff and it's really creepy and terrible. Um, but if you're that into one that, that I'm thinking of, uh, Uzumaki, uh, probably. Wait, the spiral person? Yep, that's the guy. Oh gosh, <laughs> dude, that's like next level. Yeah. So uh, if you're a, if you're in a creepy horror mood, uh, you can start with that. A lot of it is available for free online, um, but uh, some of it has been uh, translated and published in America if you want to go out and uh, spend money on the actual volumes or see if your library has them. My library had Tokyo Ghoul, and I read the first issue in the library. See, now that is actually too scary for me. <laughs> Did I disconnect, or are we no. just being silent? No, I was waiting for you to say more, but apparently you're done. Yeah, Tokyo Ghoul is too scary for me. I don't know why. I can do Eldritch Horror because, like, things from another dimension, like Cthulhu and all of that, that's not real. I, yeah, I'm not afraid of that. Um, like, but, uh, yeah, people getting killed in, in the streets by, you know, monsters that might be people. We don't know. Like, mm, no, can't, can't do it. All right. Uh, Dave? Why don't you tell us about some people getting killed in the streets by monsters that might be people? Okay. Um, how about instead I read this summary I wrote up of Wave Kings by Brandon Sanderson. Oh, is and it summary can, time? Can you do the, it in two minutes or less? One. Yes. I believe so. I mean, it only took me one minute to write it, so how long could it take to read it? <laughs> wow <laughs> i can't uh, wait to hear this <laughs> well yeah, all right, I, I got my stopwatch ready i didn't have a whole lot of time so it might seem a little rushed but it's about page plus one paragraph so okay you tell me when you're ready to start and i will give you the ghost signal mike will count me down in three two one go a very long time ago on the planet roshar nine guys abandoned the oath pack I don't know what that means. It never comes up again in this book. A slightly long time ago, King Gavilar of Alethkar was assassinated by a foreigner with mystic powers, Zeth. Zeth was apparently hired by the marble-skinned Parshendi with whom Alethkar was beginning to form an alliance. King Gavilar's surviving brother, Dalinar, who was drunk during that fateful day, promises to carry on with the Alethi codes to bring honor and unity to their country. Dalinar wants to act like a true Light Eyes, even though none of the other nobles care to act with honor, a fact evidenced by the life of a young slave named Kaladin. 
Kaladin, a surgeon's son, joined the army because he wanted to fight to protect others. Though he lost his younger brother, Tien, Kaladin continues to fight and protect those who can't protect themselves. During a minor intra-kingdom border dispute, Kaladin kills a Light Eyes wielding shards, a magical weapon and set of armor which grant their bearer otherworldly powers. Not wanting to become like the honorless Light Eyes that Kaladin has known, he wishes to gift the shards to his battalion, but Amaram, the Light Eyes in charge of his army, instead executes Kaladin's friends and sells him into slavery. High Prince Sadius, an old friend of Dalinar, devises a new way to fight the Parshendi, using slaves to carry bridges and absorb arrows while traversing the Shattered Plains. Kaladin finds himself in Sadius's bridge crews. Against all odds, with the help of a windspread named Stilfrena and a newly understood power to breathe in stormlight, Kaladin survives bridge run after bridge run and begins training his crew to live, plotting to one day escape. One day, High Prince Sadius abandons Dalinar on a plateau surrounded by Parshendi. Dalinar had been acting strangely lately, citing visions and his brother's old book, The Way of Kings. Dalinar insisted that the ten High Princes be united, but the other nine only wanted to compete in war. Sadius senses weakness in Dalinar and sees him as a threat to young King Elokar, Dalinar's nephew. Thus, Sadius betrays his old friend, and all seems lost. While Kaladin and his crew were on the verge of escape, they spot Sadius's treachery and heroically move to rescue Dalinar and his son and their men. Dalinar repays Kaladin by purchasing all of the bridgemen with his shard blade, a treasure worth an entire kingdom. Kaladin and his men become Dalinar's bodyguards as Dalinar and the king begin to unite the Alethi kingdom, a controversial move. Will they be able to bolster the nation before the true desolation comes? Hoyd thinks not. Also, there was this magic red-haired girl who does something, I forget, probably turns her mom into a bear or something. The end. <laughs> Brave. GG. Oh my gosh, I... I was so prepared for Shalon to not even come up at all. I was like, he has not mentioned Shalon all this time. <laughs> so, Dave, I like how you managed to summarize part four, or sorry, part one and part four, and maybe I guess a little bit of part five. What was my time? I had 2.35. 2.35, yep. Yeah, see, it was already overtime. Couldn't really put more in there. Yeah, how can we even fit Shalon in there? I, I no did time. it. No time. That's true. <laughs> She gets a sentence. She's a magic redhead girl. I don't know. She does what magic redhead girls do. I mean, from the perspective of Kaladin's story, which is the the A plot of the book, she might as well not be in it. Right. I mean, Dalinar uh, indirectly interacted with her once. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Over Spanry. That happened. They text message each other on over the internet. All right. So what what do we want to... I think it's question time. I think it's question time for Dave. What would you like to question me about? <laughs> I would I like you to ask what questions you have prepared. That's not a question. I would like you to ask what questions you have prepared. <laughs> Go Dave, ahead and ask. What questions do you have prepared? Oh, I'm so glad you asked, Tori. I did uh, <laughs> throw together some questions. I didn't really organize them. I just kind of wrote them down as they came to me. So let's go. Do you want to answer them one at a time, or... Oh, we're going to answer all of them. Let's go. But do you want to go one at a time, or do you want me to just read the list first? Let's let's, let's go answer one at a time. At a time. I, yeah. I feel like yeah. if you read the list and then we answer all of them, it's just going to be all three of us shouting into a microphone at the same time, and it's not going to work well. That might be fun. Like, if we, all, if we try to do yes or no <laughs> answers, even if it's not yes or no questions. But the I'll listening just... experience would be bad. But all this shouting at once is, like, basically our thing. I feel like if we cared about the listener experience, then we would have been a better podcast to start with. (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway. <laughs> Hi, listeners. How's it going? <laughs> right. You can join our Discord if you I mean, want to have a chat. I, I feel like you're not aware of how much work I put into editing this to make it a good listening experience. Okay, Dave, what's future, your question? Future Mike is crying like, oh god, I have to edit this. Current Mike is crying like, oh god, I've edited... What am I on? I just released 95. I've edited 95 of these, and no one knows what I do. And we salute you we for it. We appreciate you, Mike. But at least Craig is handling the social media front, making sure we get heard on Reddit and stuff. Sometimes. <laughs> All right. First Dave, question. Questions, go. What happened to... Rafo. All right. Dalinar uh, forgot her. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. How badass is Renarin going to be with Shardplate? Rafo? Oh, oh, I want to answer this one, but I shouldn't. All right, next question. What is Hoyt up to? <laughs> we don't oh, even that know. That is an excellent question. We just got a all Rafo. sorts of stuff, but yeah, mostly, mostly... <laughs> He's up to Hoyt things. He up to something, Wait. but meh. Answer right. that one. What is Sylphrena? Uh, Sylphrena an is an honor spren, like yep. she told Kelly. She's an honor spren. But what's that? That is a spren who embodies honor. That's yeah, true. Why does Sylphrena hate shards? That's a big old rafo. All right. Uh, how are different yep. powers related? Soul casting, memories, thrill, lashing. Uh, those are each surges, um, or, well, not entirely, but... Without yeah, get, getting into the weeds on this one, uh, there are ten fundamental powers that are the magic system on Roshar, and different magic people can access different bits of those that we call surges. Um, to add to that, uh, keep in mind that, you know, this is the Cosmere. This is all sort of related to Investiture. So maybe a fun little activity for Dave is just see if you can... See any connections between this and Alamancy or Furukami? Probably Furukami actually is well, not the way Furukami works, but the powers that. You better stop him before he spoils something. I don't think I I did. I not yet. Is, you never do. <laughs> I'm just saying, just look for some things. There might be some similarities that pop up. Is um so lashing is are, are lashing and surge binding the same thing or? Lashing is a type of surge binding. Yes. So all of the Orders of Radiance have access to two surges. Um, so there's some overlap, like, uh, you know, Shalon and Yasna both have the ability to soul cast. Um, but the other thing Shalon can do, which is related to the, the memory taking, but again, we're not getting into it, um, is light weaving. And Yasna can't do that because they are different orders. Is there one like surges general that everybody shares? No. no. Okay. And so lashing exists as one of those ten, or is it? Yes, that's mm -hmm. one of one of the two that Windrunners can access. Okay. Except it sort of isn't. Lashing is, I believe. No, it's it's two different surges and. Zeth's explanation at the beginning is muddies that. Oh, I see what you're saying, because there's the... Th yeah, yeah, I, I see. It it falls under one surge. So what, what Zeth showed off and explained in the prologue is, is, like, is most of what Kaladin can do once he figures out what he's doing. Well, that answers my next question. Does Kaladin have the same power as Zeth? Yes. And... 
I uh, I I did kind of notice he definitely at least does a full lashing and a reverse lashing, according to the Ars Arcanum. Yep, and those are two different surges. Yeah, the re- <laughs> the reverse lashing when he draws all the arrows to his shield, and he does the full lashing when he sticks the rocks rocks to the side of the cliff and stuff. Correct. Okay. Uh, so those surges, just just so you know, this shouldn't this shouldn't spoil anything. Uh, gravitation and what's the other one? Adhesion. Adhesion. Yes. Yep. So he can he can adjust which way down is for something, uh, including making something have like a stronger gravitational pull, uh, and he can make stuff stick to stuff. You know, when when you need to stick a thing to a thing, he can do that. He's your sticky guy. Look, sometimes you got to stick a lope in on the wall. It just happens. You've just got to do sticky stuff sometimes. All right, Tori got it. Tori nailed it. Now that's what I call a sticky situation. Nope, Tori still won that one. <laughs> All right, next question. Does Zeth have a Sylphrena? He does not, and I'll let you try to figure out why. Uh, is it because he's Shin? Mm-hmm. Or is it because he was born? Oh, oh wait, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to no give racer. you any more hints about this. <laughs> no. maybe I'm not, not going to answer like subsequent questions about it. Maybe because he attained his powers differently by becoming a truthless or something. And maybe he is a Sylphrena. Hey, what is Taravangian up to? Rafo? He's collecting people. death rattles. I okay. kind of want to answer this one in like fairly vague terms. What do you guys think? That's uh, okay. as vague as you want to be, Mike. Go ahead. Yeah. He's trying to save the human race. It's a good answer. Okay. But he doesn't like what Dalinar is doing. He likes Dalinar, but he doesn't like what he's doing. Uh, next question. Did Hoyd write the Ars Arcana? No. No. We know who did, and it wasn't Hoyd. Was it one person that wrote them for all the books? Mostly. It's it's like a two-person team, but like one one of them does the bulk of the, of the actual scholarship. It was the monks that ate the pancakes. Team. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a two-person team but one of them is in charge and the other is sort of the assistant yeah so it's cz ruin and cz preservation i kind of no. want to share this one because i don't feel like right. it's terribly it. spoilery mm-hmm. you you can you can t- i think you can yeah, share that all right uh so there are two two scholars um well one scholar and an assistant i should say uh Naz and Chris. Uh, Chris is the scholar, Naz is the assistant. Um, all of the Ars Arcanums, all of the like art splash pages that we've seen are all like in-world things that exist that have been collected by these two or written by them in the case As of the As you can tell, the they're wor- world hoppers. Yes, As they are world hoppers. Um, Chris is from a world that you haven't seen yet and... Naz is also from a world you haven't seen yet, but a different one. A more so, different world. <laughs> there are people I don't know. Got it. Yep. And you'll you'll start getting like more hints to all of this in in later books. Uh, especially, I want to say Words of Radiance has like an art splash page with like a note at the bottom with Naz's uh, signature on so. it. Yeah. Yeah. So it it becomes more obvious later on, but but yeah, these two are to me the most interesting characters in the Cosmere and I need to know more about them. And Brandon is being extraordinarily stingy with them. And I know it's on purpose because the more I know about them, the less I'll care, but 
it's frustrating right now. So next question. All right. Next question <laughs> um, is a remember all technically a warning, Fabriel. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Yes. Next question. <laughs> What's going on in Hearthstone? Like and currently? Calvin's hometown? Yeah. That's or farming, mostly. Okay. Do his parents miss him? Yes. So if if uh, Laren is the town surgeon, who's the surgeon binder? Next question. Who is trying to kill King and whom is Brock trying to kill? I couldn't remember his name and I wrote Brock and I was supposed to look it up, but I forgot. Moash? Yeah, Moash. Um, Those are both Rafos. Okay. He gets to be Brock now. I, I like that better. Hi. There's already a rock. No, I I heard Brock. Yeah. You don't even use the name Rock. It doesn't matter. Who is, uh, hmm. What is the true desolation? Rafo. Okay. Better than all them fake desolations. It's true. All right. Uh, let's see. Are the Parshendi provoked Parshmen or are the Parshmen placid Parshendi? I think I'm going to go with Rafo on that one. Though, excellent use of alliteration there, Dave. Thanks. Okay, why did the Parshendi assassinate King Gavilar, or at least take credit for it? And I have my own theory. Big old Rafo, huge Rafo, enormous oh. Rafo, the biggest Rafo. So, so the highest Rafo. So I do want to ask uh, that we hear some of Dave's theories after we're done in the question section. Oh, I mean, definitely, yeah. Okay. All right, and final question. Who is running the evil weather machine? The evil's mad scientist. Yeah, but who is that? Yep. Doofenshmirtz Evil Incorporated. Yep. Ah, I should have known. I'm pretty it, sure there was a weatherinator in one episode. Should, should I answer <laughs> yeah. this one? Because I feel like I should answer this one. It's a, your call. It's the Stormfather. The Stormfather is running the evil weather machine. That makes sense. Why didn't I think of that? But but what if Stormfather is evil weather machine? Who's running who? Who watches the Watcher? Who watches the Watchman? Hmm. Watchmen is free on HBO this weekend, just saying. The Watcher is the strongest character in Slay the Spire. Sorry, guys. The answer I was looking for was Sam Vimes. Samuel Vimes. Yeah, you just lost me. From Discworld. Tori gets it. I understood that reference. A thing I have never read. You should. They're very, very good. And yeah, There's a lot of things I like, should. The only bad starting point for the, for the series is basically like the first two books. See... That's my problem with a lot of these older things. It's always like the first book or first couple books are slow or not very good because, you know, it doesn't hold up. It's it's sort of the same thing happened to us with Elantris. But I feel like the disparity between Elantris versus Way of Kings is a lot smaller compared to some of the others we mentioned. So it's just really hard to get in these because I don't like to read out of order. I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with the first two books. They're just... They're you're... just not representative of the rest of the series uh, yeah. i mean you can start there i started there um terry pratchett became a better author over time as most authors do um the biggest thing is that like a lot of the characterizations that you'll be used to from later books aren't present in those first couple anyway this this isn't a pratchett podcast it could be but it, it could isn't. be then i would be the alpha reader that's weird <gasps> we should do that um can pop it on the to-do list we'll see if we ever get to it bonus content for patreon <laughs> don't promise that 
And we could read them, like, wildly out of order. <gasps> yes! Oh, that would be so fun! I'd be tempted to start with, like, the best stuff, but I feel like that would be that would be a bad idea. Like, just, just jump straight into thud. I could come up with a great reading order for us. Anyway, Dave, you have theories, right? Yeah, we, we should have uh, yeah. Dave answer his own questions. Right, were you done with your questions? Was that all the questions? Yeah. So, so Dave, you theories. have some theories, right? Uh, yeah, nothing new, just the stuff I've been talking about throughout the book. Uh, mainly that I think that the Parshendi are actually chasm fiends. They're like, related somehow, possibly even the same species. And, you know, then the, when King Gavilar started hunting the chasm fiends and taking gem hearts and the Parshendi found out, they was like that was appalling to them and that's why they had him killed uh that's my, that's my main thing that i like answered moving forward i'm also looking forward to like an all-out lashing battle between seth and kaladin that's going to be pretty cool hopefully i'll go ahead and let you know that's the end of the next book and it is actually pretty cool all right so kaladin doesn't die at the beginning of the next book Hey, I didn't spoil anything. <laughs> I mean, he um, might. And I then mean, what do you back. think this is? You Game know. of Thrones? That, that is true. There were all those other guys that died, but I thought it took him like 100 years to come back. But wait, what if he and Seth die and, and they both come back and end that fight? Mm, could be. We'll just have to wait and see. So, I mean, I guess, like, I also have the theory on how Kaladin became a Windrunner or a Surge Binder or whatever. Go on. And that is that his uh, parents made some kind of plea for his safety. Oh, yes. Uh, you did mention some, that. Some kind of like the old magic. The Night Watcher. The Night Shade. Night Mother. Wait, what? I think I'm confusing my Night Blood. Oh, man. All Mother. <laughs> Which book are we in now? We're, yeah, all of them, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really come up with um, any like new things because, like, None of the theories I made up to this point have been confirmed or unconfirmed or defirmed, unfirmed, softened, consoftened, yeah, congealed. All right. Uh, what, what else? Like, what else do you have, Dave? What's what else happened in this book that matters that you want to talk about? Uh, mostly like the desolation and all that related stuff, like Shalon and Yasna's research. And, oh, that dude that showed up at the end, he was, like, one of the heralds, right? Not one of the heralds. He was, or was he? Um, yeah, he was one of the heralds. Yep, that's, that, that is, is the, the word you're looking for. Talon, Thone Sinew. Yeah, that guy. The guy that's in the voice channel right now. He's in our voice chat right now. He was a herald. Okay. Love you, Phil. Yeah, like, why is he showing up all of a sudden? He's a little late, don't you think? Or is he on time? Time. No, he's late. On Hoyd says so. It's true. Because uh, of the whole timeliness that people don't actually value, but Hoyd claims that people do. See, now, if Talon had a better PR system in place, <laughs> Wait, that whole thing would have gone not, the other way. How does a Herald not have a good PR team? They got, like, statues and stuff all over the place with them. Oh, wait, that's Talon, like, the guy, they, the guy from the beginning of the book. Well, they mention him. Yeah, he's the guy that they abandoned, right? At the beginning. Yep. Ah, he didn't use his nickname, so I forgot that he was the same guy. They all have a lot of names. It's He's yeah. the guy in college that's part of your group project, and you let him do 
all of the work while you go participate. <laughs> it's true. There was uh, one other thing uh, that I wanted to talk about in this book. And there were a couple of, they seem to be allegories to Christianity, actually. And I don't know where like Brandon fits in with that because, you know, as we mentioned before, and we know that he's a Mormon, and it's different enough from mainstream Christianity that I'm not sure where they intersect, but um, they might. In I can answer that regards. question for you. Okay. So Mormons consider themselves Christian. They do believe in the 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 God of the Old and New Testament. They believe that Jesus Christ is their Savior. Um, the difference comes in that um, they also have the Book of Mormon which they feel was given to the prophet Joseph Smith and is another testament of Jesus Christ. So anything that you feel might be related to the Bible, the chances are that Sanderson is very familiar with that. Okay. Um, so there were a couple things. One, I think the most, well, there were, well, the most obvious one, I think, was when Dalinar trades the shard blade to purchase slaves. That seems allegorical to the sacrifice of Jesus in redeeming the sinners, right? So. He's like a priceless treasure that was given up to purchase slaves. So that's one thing. And then the other thing was when King Taravangian, he says something along the lines of it's better for one man to sin than for everybody to live on in corruption. Um, now, in now Christians believe that not that Jesus was a sinner, but that he he took on the sin of the world and uh you know, incurred the punishment for that sin so that, you know, his followers could be made holy. So that, and then, and the thing, what Taravangian actually said is, I think, like, intentionally alluding to what Caiaphas said in the New Testament in the Gospels when he prophesied that it's better for one man to die than a whole nation should perish. Like, it seems to be intentionally referring to that text. Yeah, I just wanted to like mention those two things that kind of jumped out at me is probably being allegorical and in, I guess intentionally so. You're probably right, actually. Yeah, so that might have been lost on some of our readers who aren't as familiar with Christianity. So, yeah, just wanted to bring those up. All right, what else you got? Well, I have some questions for Dave. Ah, questions. So what, what was your favorite part of the book? Mm. If if there is a favorite, or, you know, you can give me, like, a top three or five, whatever. Okay. I mentioned this during reading, and I hold to it, that my favorite part of the book is when Dalinar gives up his shard blade to keep his word and uh, save Kaladin and his crew. Dalinar being bad. Got it. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you felt didn't sit well with you? Like, maybe a slow section or something you feel like could have been handled better? Anything like that? Anything that you were like, ah, this is sort of disappointing. Um, yeah, I guess I wanted to actually get more of the, like, into the lore of what the desolations were. But I know that that's planned for future books. So, yeah, like, I get that it wasn't answered in this book. But I really wanted to know more about the Parshendi, where they came from, what the desolation was and all that stuff. And it's just, man, I just got teased, you know? Um... Okay, you haven't talked much about Shalon, e either in your recap or in your questionings, or in your questions, or in your theories. So, what's up with Shalon? Why are you avoiding her, huh? 
you got a thing against redheads. Is that what it is? I have a crush on her. I'm shy. Um, nah, I just, there's only so much time to talk about stuff. I guess, like, she was funny, I guess, but didn't really, uh, I didn't really care about her, like, her story all that much yet. And, like, it only really starts connecting to the main plot at the very end and then doesn't really do anything yet. All right. Uh, for each of the Stormlight books so far, I have had a favorite character in that book and then a separate character who is the character that I want to know more about. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this in this book, in The Way of Kings, my favorite character was Dalinar. And then the character that I wanted to learn more about was Shallan. Who are yours? Uh, my favorite character is Kaladin, and the one I'd like to know more about is Seth. All right. Neat. Would you like to expand on that at all? I mean, I, I can expand on mine if, if you'd like me to, if you, if you want a minute to think. Uh, yeah, you go first. All right. So Dalinar is my favorite character. Is I don't feel like there's all that much there. He's He's got that great scene in... Uh, chapter 13 where he catches the the chasm fiend's claw and is just super awesome and like the visions are intriguing and interesting and like provide all this information about like the history of the world and he's just like overall a an interesting character that i i enjoy following in this book um shallan is is very much presented as a mystery box like you get little hints and bits of things about her throughout this book and we don't really get answers and that's what i that's what i wanted more of Uh, that's that's why she's like the character i wanted to know more about is because we get all these hints and bits and pieces and we aren't really told answers Mm. like uh she admits that she killed her father but we get no details on that like what does that even mean yeah she do it on purpose what whatever does she like was it completely unrelated to her and she just feels guilty about it? Like what's up? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that's, that's why those two characters and book two and book three have different characters in both of those spots for me that I'll get into when we get to those. Yeah, I guess uh, I like Kaladin because he, you know, he's, uh, he's tenacious. He's always tries to do what's right. And, you know, he has, He's kind of like hateful toward the light eyes and you you kind of get why but at the same time it's like it's kind of it's like it's his flaw, you know, that he is a little unforgiving toward the light eyes. Um I don't I mean I guess that's I don't know if that's technically a flaw, but so something I can talk about is Sanderson when he designed Kaladin. Um is a sort of a thing that he's talked about in his workshops, uh, his his uh, writing workshop things like that for other authors and usually it's you don't write a character that's depressed Mm -hmm. it's very very difficult to handle it correctly and it's finally here in stormlight archives and way of kings that we actually get a character who suffers from depression um and you can see how brandon sanderson actually handled it and i think he handled it very well with how he handled calvin's character um so something something to keep in mind is that you don't usually see a character like this for there's a number of reasons why you don't want something like depression. But uh, in terms of uh, workshopping character, it's usually what kind of flaws do you want to give your characters? And usually when it's something internal, 
to uh, psychological or internal to the character, it's very hard for it to come across. Um, something like depression in particular could make the character not be active, which is not a thing you want from your main protagonist. You you need an active character who's actually doing stuff and getting moving the plot along. So that's what Soul Friend is for. Sure. So um, I think it's handled very well. He's I think from what I recall, this is he gave the workshop after these books, and it's still like a don't do this sort of thing. But when you become a skilled author, yeah, maybe you could take a look at that and and give it a try. Right? Maybe Sulfrena. She's an honor sprint, right? So maybe Kaladin made some kind of vow, and it's like when did Sulfrena come along? Was it like right after Tien died, Mike? Um. We I mean, know met- it's while he was with um, Amaram's army. Mm-hmm. She says that, and we get we get some glimpses of her. I think it, it, during one scene, but I I don't know that we have information that she was around before then, or like yes, what sir. triggered her showing up. Oh, I mean, I can answer it. I'm just not sure if we're supposed to. <laughs> I'm just going on like what based on what we know from this book. Yeah, I I will say she wasn't there before Tien's death. Okay, so maybe Kaladin made some kind of oath or something. I don't know. Although we do see him state an oath during uh, the the climax, the Sander tsunami chapters. Life what before death. I don't remember that. You don't remember him saying the the words. Oh, the words, yeah. man. Oh, the words. Oh, the words. Right. You didn't say the words. You said oath. Yeah, I will protect those who. Uh, who cannot protect themselves. No, that sounds like something Kelsier would say. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, I guess yes. I guess I can I can share this bit with you. Um so for each of the orders of Knights Radiant, uh there are a total of five oaths that take various forms. So the first oath is the same for everybody, which is life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination. Mm-hmm. Maybe swap the order on them. I don't think that part matters. No, that's correct. And then from like two through five are are different for each order. And yeah, in some cases aren't even oaths. Oathbringer. And so, yeah, you you got to see Kaladin swearing the second ideal of the Windrunners. Gotcha. Um, also, while they tend to follow a general theme, uh, an individual person's oath or ideal might be worded a little bit differently from like a from a different person in the within the same order it has a general theme but each person it relates to them in different ways like one person's i will protect those who cannot protect themselves might be for someone else i will protect people if they need it or something like that like it has to do with protecting people it has to do with you know certain circumstances that require it but the wording can be different the meaning can be a little bit different you just gotta really mean it. So, I feel like we've kind of run dry on Dave's stuff. Uh, do we want a spoiler time for this one, or are we good? I mean, we can talk about things in Spoiler Town. Let's let's get a little short spoilery town. Alright, then we need to make Dave go away. Let's say mean Bye, things to him Dave. until he goes away. Bye, guys. I look forward to starting the Mist Punk era. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. And Bye. next week we'll be reading America Online. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wrote that, I think. Indeed you did. I just thought it was good. All right. Peace. Dave's gone. Play the thing.
This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. All right. Uh, what's what? What would you like to talk about for spoiler stuff, Craig? Uh, did we want to go over the answers to Dave's questions now that we can actually talk about them? Did anyone write down Dave's questions so that we have all of them? Man, that would have been a good idea. It sure would have. <laughs> I mean, we don't have to talk about much. I feel like this could be a short spoilery section, but uh, I feel like a lot of his questions, uh, most of them, we actually do have answers for. It's just it's going to be either words of radiance or at least when it comes to the Parshendi and and the quote unquote Voidbringers, we're not you don't get answers to that until Oathbringer. So it's, it's going to be a, a long wait for him. I mean, you get, now, what, you get one some thing we info. could uh, ahead, we could sorry. go into detail on. Um, he asked about Zeth. Um, does does Zeth have a sprint? What's going on with Zeth? So, sure. um, yeah. So, Zeth, uh, so tell me, Tori, what what's going on with Zeth? <laughs> Oh, you guys would would explain it so much better than me. So, uh, Zeph is not actually a Windrunner. He does not have an Honor Spren. What he does have is the Honor Blade that endows him with the abilities of the Windrunners. And which Herald did that blade come from? <laughs> Heck if I know. <laughs> Yazaria. Uh, is it Yazaria? Yazrian. You know I'm not going to pronounce names right. We do know that. Yezerezeria's... He's, the, he's like, like the, the full name sucks. I don't like, like any the of the... He's leader herald. Uh, he, is, he is the king of heralds. Right. He's also called the Stormfather, but he's actually not related to the Stormfather at all. Yeah, that's that's just a mythological drift there. Yeah. But yeah, he was the patron of uh, Windrunners. And where else do we see him, Craig? Oh, he's, he's Dalinar's drinking buddy during Dalinar's flashbacks in uh, Oathbringer, which I just found out about that when I was rereading Oathbringer. Yep, he's the homeless guy who hangs out at the palace in um, Kolinar, and you see him in the prologue for Way of Kings, which we pointed out then, um, and then we see him again in Dalinar's flashbacks in Oathbringer, where when Dalinar can't get booze anywhere else in the palace... He can go to his his buddy, the homeless Harold, and and score a bottle of hooch. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. And unfortunately, Moash captures him. Yes, destroys him. I, we we don't actually know what exactly Moash is doing. It seems like it's something like how the Unmade are captured into a, a perfect gem. Moash stabs him with a special knife that apparently deheralds him. Right. So we, it looks we don't like, know we don't know the mechanics on it yet. So it looks like there's ways to deal with cognitive shadows, which again I believe the unmade are actually cognitive shadows rather than spren, but those might be the same thing for all we know. Or they could be splinters combined with a cognitive shadow. See, there's a lot of things that are somewhat similar, and now that I'm like I've read through most of the works multiple times, I'm starting to see a lot of similarities. I'm In seeing fact, a lot of similarities between the magic systems. Um, which I think makes sense. This is all investiture. Now, now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like they have to be splinters that are also tied to cognitive shadows. Otherwise, if they were just cognitive shadows, they wouldn't be able to do the things they do. Yeah, but I think Spren are splinters of honor. But they are also cognitive shadows. Are the, or sorry, Void Spren, not, not the Fused. 
are all spren splinters of honor or just honor I think spren? they could be of cult, uh, cultivation as well. Well, they can be any of the three. Yeah, that seems correct. Uh, yeah, so it, it actually says in the copper mine entry that spren are... Bryn are splinters of one or more shards, and they're, they're composed of different types of investiture. We don't really see splinters of Odium because he sort of tries to keep to himself, but it, there must be something with Roshar that sort of naturally creates Sprin. So would Void Sprin not be splinters of Odium? Or, no, Void or... Sprin are. They are. Void okay. Sprin are. Yeah. Well, you just said that Odium doesn't I said, I said we, he doesn't have many. He really only has voice. Like, look at all the different types of sprint we actually see. For Odium, we only really get void sprint. And maybe unmade, because we don't fully know what those are yet. Although, there's a chance that what, uh, whatever her name is, Sajanat, like, when she when she corrupts the sprint, which she entitles, which she calls Enlightening, um, that could be investing them with some of Odium's investiture. In which case, they maybe become, the sprint itself becomes part of Odium. So I don't know, I don't think she's making them as splinters, but it's there's some weird stuff going on. We're going to have to see more on Renarin and his sprint to, to get info on that, I think. Right. I really, oh, that's that. my hope for book four, uh, Rhythm of War, I need to know and see more of Renarin. And I feel like maybe we will, because there's like a whole big... Thing, uh, lead up in Oathbringer and now that he's definitely in Team Good Guy and we have Sajana is, is up to something where Shalon is tasked by the Ghostbloods to recruit her to the Ghostbloods um, I feel like we're going to get a little bit more alright so in uh, Rhythm of War one of the things that I feel like has to happen is that um, Urithiru has to be restored so they have to fix it and I feel like Renarin Ooh. has to be instrumental to that like he he definitely has a better sense of what's going on in the tower than basically any other character at this point so i got something for that uh i i meant to post it in our cosmere theories and maybe i did at some point because i posted a lot of things in there but my belief is that in book four or five the tower has to be you know rejuvenated like you mentioned and maybe it will be book four it sounds like maybe that could be the key thing that they got to focus on in book four but i believe that's gonna be fixed by finding and or waking the sibling because it appears that the sibling is connected to erythru maybe it is the sprint of erythru for all we know but in that case we might need to find another bondsman is it gonna be navani i don't know is it gonna be teravangian i please no Please, no. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be a Bondsmith. But imagine the drama between him and Dalinar. Now now that Teravangian has come more or less clean with Dalinar. Uh, so, so... He only came 25% clean. Like, like Dalinar still trusts Teravangian when he really shouldn't. Dalinar okay, has so a history of that. Here's my question. Here's my question. Yeah. There's three Bondsmiths, or there can be three Bondsmiths. Correct. For each of the big spread. Yep. Um, and Dalinar is bonded to the Stormfather, who is very much a part of honor. And yep. but the he, he is other a two, spren who is also bonded with honor's cognitive shadow. Yes. The other two biggie spren are not based on honor. So would those bondsmiths have different? I don't. I don't know the word here. Um, focuses well, like. 
different O's, almost certainly. Yeah. They'll have right. that, but um, like like you know the bit where um, Kaladin um, the Sturgis. goes goes against his oath and and Sylphrina dies. You know, like um, so you see that Dalinar has to be this like a pillar of honor in order to keep his bond with the Stormfather. So what kind of bondsmith are the other two bondsmiths going to be? So, um, Dalinar, actually, as we look through uh, Oathbringer, his bond is changing Stormfather in ways. Like, Stormfather in the very beginning was oaths exactly as they're said, because that's how honor was at the very end. Exactly how the oaths were spoken and what they said has to be followed by the letter. But by the end of Oathbringer, Stormfather mentions how you've you've been changing me. Like, I actually see things now, like, from a more human perspective. And it becomes more of the flavor of the law rather than the letter of the law. So we have seen changes because of the Nahal bond and how it, it interacts between both the sprint and the human. Um, so when it comes to the bondsmiths of the of the other two major spren, one of which being the the Night Watcher, uh, who is a splinter of cultivation, they still will speak the same types of oaths because they're still a bondsmith. Um, it will be a different flavor, I think, as Mike mentioned, uh, based on you know the person's perspective and what the spren's perspective is. But they're still going to have access to the same surges, but they might act slightly different for each person because of of the type of spren they're bonded with. But okay, I can I can one hundred percent see Navani bonding the sibling now because <laughs> okay, so Urithiru is basically a big old Fabriel, right? Yep. If the sibling is the spren of Urithiru, then that means that someone who already has a strong affinity to Fabrials would be the most likely to bond him, which right. is Navani. That makes sense. There's, yeah, there I is there is no Fabri Fabrialianist. Yep, that's a word. Uh, beyond Navani. Fabrians. No, that doesn't sound right. My thing sounds be- sounds better. Wait, no, Wait, no like Fabrialianist? That's the word artificer. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, if I had to pick one person, like, of the whole cast and everyone we've actually met and seen, Navani would be my first pick for bonding with siblings. She's the only one I know about, because the a lot of the characters we already know, uh, they, they've bonded with different Spren, or they're in the process of bonding with a different Spren, like Adeline, uh, reviving Maya. So we don't really have anyone else who could be our second bondsmith, but Navani. Now, whether she'll do it or not is a different question, because she always sees herself as in the background. She might not necessarily see herself on the forefront, but at the same time, we saw her sort of take uh, center leader focus during the whole the whole uh, alliance in the middle of Oathbringer. Like she steps forward in terms of being a leader. So I can see Navani bonding sibling as like the climax to this book. Yeah. And at the same time, Dalinar starting to get squires uh as sort of the, like cool. ongoing thread of, of his part of the story of this book i can definitely uh, so, see that happening so real quick i do want to just something to think about for the future keep in mind that fabrials are they have their gens with sprint trapped inside of them so what does that mean when they call aretharu a giant fabrial something to think about i mean it doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's literally a fabrial with with spren trapped in it to do specific things it it just more 
I think it more means that it it acts in that way. Sure, uh, but well, well, my, my more, argument more importantly, be... we need to stop talking and end the podcast. Yeah, my yeah, my my argument would be very the important. sibling is the connection with the the sibling theory through is what makes it work. That's that's really it. It's like, yes, I okay. like that. Sounds so, good. Bye, everybody. Good night, Internet. Next time, Alloy Law. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.